Good evening, everybody. We are in Genesis. Yeah, I was waiting for it to pop up. 27. And we'll do 28, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do our best to go through both. I had a, uh, while you're turning there, I had a good talk with... uh, uh, Daryl Jones from Grace Evangelical about the men's retreat. So I've got a little more information on it. It'll be May 14th, 15th, and 16th. That's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Thursday and Sunday are the dry, are the travel time. So you really you check in Thursday night or whatever. So, but we can go down earlier if you're interested. And then we've got to hike up and camp. We hike up a mile and then uh, we just camp in the middle of nowhere. Um, on this precipice, eagle beak nose rock thing down in Arkansas. I don't know what it's called. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little sketchy on that. But we can go down early. Anyway, I'm going to put a sign-up sheet on Sunday. Uh, it's about $100 just flat out go. And then if you want to do stuff while you're down there, there's more. Like golfing will be like a $25 fee or something like that or, or whatever. So just give you a heads up. That's coming up. He's going to send me the packet when he gets it ready for his people. Um, and... Uh, I'm the keynote speaker, so that should be, uh, yeah, I know it. Big honorary, a lot of money, a lot of money involved in this. Uh, so, but we, he said they're going to take like a bunch, and he allowed us like 15 to 20 people or 20 guys can go. So, if you want to go, hey, that's coming up. All right, let's pray before we get started. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the illustrations of the New Testament truths in the Old Testament. As we study this and we see people walking their walk with you by faith, not having a New Testament to go off of, um, we learn and, 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 and we glean from everything that they go through. And I pray that we would do that tonight. Help us to learn. It's been a long day, I bet, for a lot of us. A lot of us are tired. Um, a lot of us are sorrowful, maybe, and some of us are rejoicing, but each one of us comes to you and can receive anything you have for us, Lord. That's what we're here for. Um, Peace, just flat out peace. There's a lot of things going on in the world that people are worried about, and we don't need to be fearful. We just need to sit at your feet and rest. And so that's why we've come tonight. We pray that we'd find rest in Jesus' name. Amen. More information just brings us rest. It really does. I saw the president tonight on there giving us a little rundown on the coronavirus and all that. And um, it needs to happen when someone like that, any president, doesn't matter whether it's Barack or, or whether that's or, 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 uh, President Trump or anybody, when they get up and they begin to speak, there's something about that. It's like, okay, there's a little comfort that comes from that. Um, information uh, takes away the mystery. And, and that's why God wrote us this book. He wants to take away that mystery. Everybody in this world is wondering. You know, what happens when we die? I mean, that's something you just don't talk about. You don't think about until you have to. That's why people hate going to funerals because they just hate seeing that because they're thinking about that's me someday. And, and, and a lot of people just like to avoid it altogether. I'm not like that. I want to know. I mean, if there's something that can be known, I want to know about it. And that's why God gives us his word to bring us peace. And something about knowing the creator of the universe knows and then wants to communicate it to us. Oh, I mean, it just brings peace. When my kids ask me questions, um, sometimes they're age-appropriate, sometimes they're not. Sometimes you wonder, why, why are you asking me that now? That's a little early for that, you know? 
But they're thinking about it and they're asking about it. And I don't want it to be one of those things that's a mystery for them that they've got to go figure out on their own. I'll, I'll tell you anything you want to know. And it might not be what you expect. And that's what I like about the Lord. He doesn't hide anything from us. And the entire counsel of God is good for every age group out there. You know, some of these stories, you're like, oh, you're really going to teach that in Sunday school? Well, we're not going to get into the details maybe of it. We'll let you parents do that and fill in the gaps and spend more time on it. But yeah, there's nothing we're, we're afraid of here. And so as we get into this and we see Isaac as he's getting older and Jacob and, and Esau are getting older, um, and it's getting to that time where he's going to pass on and he's going to bless whomever. Um, prophecies are being fulfilled and all. It's, it's interesting to watch these great men of faith in the Old Testament. You don't feel so bad about yourself after you read some of the things that they do, you know? And they're illustrations for us for these New Testament truths. So in chapter 27, we're going to see Isaac getting older and, and he's going to be tricked. He's going to be tricked. And we're going to see a lot of character come out of these guys. So far, we've just got names, you know, but we're going to see some characters. They begin to have conversations with one another, with one another, and we're going to see family dynamics and all these things. It's, it's good to see. Now, it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, here I am. And then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. So he's getting that sense of times drawn near. And, 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 and I imagine a lot of people have had older people in your lives that have done that. You know, I just don't feel like, I think we're getting close. Aaron was telling me an interesting story about your mom. I, I don't know if that's public or not. Is it? Okay. But she said she had a dream. She woke up her husband at, you know, we've been praying. Aaron's been gone. Mom's been getting surgery, getting a valve put in and, and all these things. And, you know, got to hurry up and all that. But woke up her husband at 2 a.m., you said, and said, God just told me that I'm going to have a stroke and he's going to take me home and it's time. You know, wow, well, it wasn't yet anyway, but everybody's kind of like, oh, you know, oh, you know, you get those moments, those senses that it's, I mean, this is more than a sense. This is, you know, the Lord talking to you that it's time. And um, Isaac's getting that sense. It's getting to that age. It's getting to that time. I'm going to take you home. And he can feel it coming on. Um, and I don't know what that feels like or what that looks like. But he says, I want to bless you before I go. I want to get these words out. I want to say these things before I pass. And what a great lesson for us. Despite the error in tonight's passage, to say those things to the people you love before it's too late. To talk to them. To tell your kids, if you haven't told them, that you love them. <clears throat> you know, Wrap your arms around them and let them know so that you're not doing it at the last minute. Tell them these things. Tell them often. We never know when the last day is going to be. So taking that time to tell the people around you how much you care for them. He wants to do that. But he's got a, he's got, he's, he's holding it hostage. He says, well, I need some, I need some good food first, you know, and I'm sure this is a banter that these guys have. You know how, you know, as parents with your kids, you've got this kind of relationship. He goes, Hey, I got a blessing for you. But first I want some food, you know, that's how I read it anyway. And um, he's got a love for this boy. And we talked about that last week, maybe too much, that he loves him about who he is, 
his, his character, his manliness, his outdoorsiness, his hairiness. I mean, he probably loves everything, but it's also, it's, it's your son. You should love him for those things. And don't despise the other because he's smooth-skinned and because he doesn't like going out hunting and he hangs around out in the house. That's not your, he's not a second child or less. He shouldn't be. Seems to be the case though. Jacob's hanging out with mom more. Esau's hanging out with dad. And so he says, I want to bless you before I die. So go out and make me some food. So there's our scenario. Many of you know the story already, but if you don't, um, Rebecca's going to take the opportunity now to deceive her husband. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. It's going to be a few days. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make me savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now. Uh, to the flock and bring me some of the of their from their two choice kids or young young goats or young lambs. We're not probably goats to make it stringy and more like game, you know. Um, of the goats, oh, it does have goats. I'm sorry, <laughs> should read ahead. Choi, I did study. I promise. Choice. Uh, <laughs> I've got cross references and everything. Choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it. And that he may bless you before his death. Okay, so that's the kind of wife he's got. You know. Now, before we get down on Rebecca too much, hold our judgment in reserve for a minute. Okay, we've got some issues here that Dad isn't doing. Dad is in error here, and I'm, we'll explain that in a minute. Rebecca knows that Dad is in error, and so Rebecca, without going right to Dad, which is what should happen in a wonderful relationship where we have open communication. Hey, what do you mean you're going to bless him? Don't you remember the prophecy, which we'll read here in a moment. But instead, Rebecca decides to go, it's a little easier. Let's just deceive your dad. Let's trick him and he'll bless you and make a mistake, but that's okay. It's really God's will. And she's got this whole plan together. I want to make sure that you get the blessing. Well, Jacob doesn't like that. I mean, and who would? Who wants to trick dad into liking you? You know, hey, you know what? Your dad will bless you if you do this. That's not how I want to earn dad's love or earn dad's blessing in my life. I don't want to trick dad. So here's what he says. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother is a hairy man and I'm a smooth skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Uh, I don't know how he feels. I, I probably shouldn't put my emotions there. Maybe he truly does want to get away with it and doesn't think he's going to. Maybe he thinks it's a great idea, but he doesn't think mom's thought it all the way through, and so they need to improve their plan. Could be. It could be. Or this is his way of saying, I, I, I don't know, you know, mom, I don't know if this is a great idea. He's smooth, and I'm, it's not as simple as just walking in with some goat food, you know. Interesting, he says there, I don't want dad to think I'm a deceiver. I don't want him to discover that I'm a deceiver. You, you remember that's his name. Jacob means heel catcher, supplanter, or deceiver. And we're going to see that here, actually used. I don't want to seem to be a deceiver to my dad. 
But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me. That's not exactly his problem with the plan. Oh, well, good. I was afraid I was going to get cursed. But as long as you're going to take my curse for me, mom, I'll be glad to trick dad. Not exactly the problem, but that's what she says. Let the curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. And Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids on the goat of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She's wrapping the freshly skinned goat around her son now, you know, covering up with the long sleeves and then putting a little bit of fur there. I mean, he must have been a really hairy guy. And then puts it around his neck too. So now he's got these bloody goats. Well, probably cleaned up a little bit, but still fresh goat skins wrapped around his neck and his hands. And he's going into dad. What a horrible scene. I, I, I think it's, you know, we, back in the 70s and 60s when psychology became the rage and it, and it still is. And people, um, that's a whole, that's another soapbox. I'm going to try to stay off tonight. Um, but the study of the mind is an, is an interesting study because it, it truly isn't a science. There's really, there's no way to qualify it and quantify it. You can't. You can guess. Uh, I've, I've yet to see someone graduate from therapy. You know, there's, it's always constant. And that's a different subject altogether. But you want to talk about the word dysfunctional family? Dysfunctional family. This is, I'm, this is, Young's is beautiful, you know. This is the craziest family I've ever read about. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put goat skin on you. Talk about the damage that would be done to your kids, you know. I mean, they're older. They're you're young adults, obviously. They're off hunting by themselves and all. But this is a very strange dynamic for a family, you know. So when you think about how weird your family is, it ain't this weird. So you're in good shape. There's some room, you know. You've got some room here. I guess that's all I'm taking away from this is this, this is the line of Jesus. This is Abraham. This is Isaac. This is Jacob in whom all of Israel says, we are the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And like, do you really know their biography? <laughs> Have you studied these guys? I wouldn't be saying that too loud. But then you look at God because you always have to find Jesus in these passages and you step back and you look at God's perspective and you know what? God's still working here. He's still working in the midst of all this dysfunction, all these difficulties, all these different personalities and, and trickery and not walking with the Lord and not being led of the Spirit. And yet God is still working amongst these people and God's will still gets done despite all these free will choices that all these people are making. God still can maneuver it. He can make all this stuff happen. And he does. And in fact, in their flesh and in their deceit, in, he's going to use Isaac's deceitfulness or just flat out rebellion against God's prophecy that he's given about these two boys. He's not only going to use that, he's going to use his wife's deceitfulness to make it come about. It's just amazing how God works. So when I think about, oh boy, I sure hope I don't mess up God's plan. I'm pretty sure I can't. I'm pretty sure I can make some decisions, but I bet that God can 
work it out. Now, I don't do it on purpose, but I do find a lot of peace in the fact that he's a big God and he sees all these things ahead of time. And he's looking at the map of all of the decisions everybody's going to make. And he says, yeah, I'll still work it all out. Despite all their sin, despite all their rebellion, despite all their things, Jesus is still going to rule and reign at the end of all this. You know? And that's what's going to happen here. I don't want to be a deceiver. Just get over here and put on the goat skin, mom says. Then Rebecca took the choice clothes of her cut son and put them on and put the goat skin on the smooth parts of his neck. And she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, my father... He said, here I am. Who are you, my son? That must be a constant question. Hey, son, Esau, come in here. And he has to say, I'm over here, dad. So he's that blind, right? Same thing happens here. Who who are you? Um, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, look at this, circle this. He said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Now you're invoking the name of the Lord. This is so much more. This is so much more than just tricking dad or being rebellious or saying, I was just out with my buddies, you know, when you're really out doing things you shouldn't be doing or whatever. Well, that's probably the same thing, but you know, this is so much more to say, well, well, God's in this. God brought this food to me. God's done. Now you've brought God into your deception. And I have to be really careful as a Christian man who prays about things or tells people I'm going to pray about things. And I tell people that I believe that God is in this. God spoke to me. God did this thing. And then somewhere along the line, I just say, you know, I don't think God was in it. I got to be really careful about that. To pull God into my schemes and my plans, just to make things go smoother, you know. Somehow or another, as Christians, when we talk to each other, it just makes things easier if we say, I prayed about it and God showed me. Who can argue with you about it then? Kind of shuts everybody up, doesn't it? Well, I guess if God's in it, I guess there's nothing more for me to say. That's right. There's nothing more for you to say. Whether God spoke to you or not, you know, to be really careful. I talked to you about that in real estate, right? Letting you a little in and a little secret about this walking through houses with people. And we've been praying about houses and letting God lead us and guide us into buying this house. And there it was, a scripture right there on the wall. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we knew right then and there, God had spoken to us. There's something called staging a house. We stage houses. Now, I don't do this. But those are some of the topics that are discussed at some of the conferences about us Christians, how gullible and stupid we can be with our faith. And they say, oh yeah, put that up there. Put those plaques up there. Put those things up there. They'll tell you to do that in these things. Because Christians will walk in and say, it's the Lord. No, it's not. It's Joanne down the street with a heat gun and an applique. And she put it up on the wall so that when you walked in, you'd think God showed you this house. We got to be smarter than that. As Christians, we got to have a walk with the Lord that's more than that. I'll just leave it at that. I'm all for praying about your houses. You should. You should. 
But let's find scripture. Let's go off of more than I saw an emblem or a sign or something like that. We need to get deeper than that. Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Dad, Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Dad's got a clue, doesn't he? Doesn't sound right. Nothing about this feels right. That's what you go off of. That's what you go off of. You go off this, I don't know, but I, I don't have peace in my heart about this. Stay with that. Isaac should stay with this feeling. I don't know whether you're really my son or not. I mean, he's literally calling him a liar. Come here, let me feel you, because I'm just not sure. Because your words aren't enough. What you said wasn't enough. I doubt it. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and led him, and, 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 and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He didn't even disguise his voice, you know. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Well, must be him. Must be me. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. I mean, there's opportunity after opportunity to get right here. God is faithful, you know. And yet, through all this weirdness, God's will's being done here. It's just a strange story. He said, bring it, bring it near me or to me. Then I will eat of my son's game. Uh, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and he kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him. Still not. I mean, he felt them, tasted the food. I don't know. I mean, everything else tells me that this is right, but it's wrong. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, May God give you the dew of the heavens and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine and let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. There it's done. The blessing's been given. Now it happened. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Esau trembled exceedingly. Underline that. He knew. He knew what had happened way more than I've been tricked. He realizes that God has stepped in and done what he was supposed to do. He trembled exceedingly because he was going against the authority of God and God still worked it out. That's a moment. You ever have those moments with the Lord where you're like, okay, wow, you know, wow. I mean, I know you're real, and I talk about you being real, and I read your word like you're real, but this was one of those days where you're like real, real, you know? That was just out of nowhere. This is that moment. He trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. I'm not taking it back. Here's the prophecy. 
is back a few chapters. It's in Genesis chapter 25, 23. Rebecca has just asked the Lord, what is going on within my womb? If everything's okay, you know, this doesn't feel okay. And so the prophecy from the Lord says, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger, which is the exact opposite of the customs. The older, the firstborn gets everything, but the younger gets what's left over. But this is going to be reversed, God says. The younger is going to be in charge, and the older is going to serve the younger. And Isaac here was going to do the exact opposite and bless Esau and give him the firstborn blessing, despite the prophecy given by God in direct rebellion. He knew it. You think Rebecca kept that to herself? Of course not. It's written in the scriptures. Moses wrote these first five books, so he had to tell, she had to tell everybody about this. Isaac knew, but Isaac wasn't going to go with it. He's going to bless, just like, remember Abraham? Can't, can't, my, can't my firstborn live before you? I mean, why does it have to be Isaac? Can, it, can, it, can Ishmael live? Let, it, let Ishmael live before you. He says, no, Ishmael's going to be fine, but the promise is going to come through Isaac. Isaac follows in his dad's footsteps again, tries to disregard what script, what God has already told him specifically to do. He's going to do the opposite and finds out in the middle of his rebellion, God somehow tricked him into doing exactly what the prophecy said he was supposed to do. And so when he discovers it, he trembles exceedingly and says, whoa, no, no, no. I've already blessed this guy. And believe me, he's going to be blessed. I mean, What an amazing moment. This shows us about the sovereignty of God versus the free will of man. These are all free will choices. God did not make them do all these things. But in the middle of all their rebellion and all their choices that they made, in the opposite of what God wanted them to do, God's sovereignty still functions. It's an amazing picture of that. How that all worked together, I don't know. I think we're all still chewing on this, saying, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. It is a big deal. What's just happened here? In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, I think is the most important verse anybody who still struggles with that issue between Calvinism and Arminianism and how both are, cannot be true at the same time, but are, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He foreknew, therefore he chose. He chose those he knew were going to choose him. It's a very simple concept. We need to hold on to that. This is exactly what's happened here. God knew that Isaac was going to do this thing. And he says, no, 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 no. But I'm going to use all y'all's sin, all y'all's rebellion, and I'm going to still make it work out just like I wanted it to. And he does. Verse 34, when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me also, O my father. Now, remember, he sold his birthright. He could care less about the responsibility of being the leader of the clan, basically. But I still want the blessing. We talked about that last week, how people so much want the blessing of being saved in heaven and all the blessings that God has for us, but I do not want the responsibility associated with that. So you can keep your birthright. I just want the blessings associated. You can't have it that way. You've got to have both. He says, oh man, what about the blessing? What about the, he is distraught. Where's my money? Where's my stuff? But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. 
And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? He's living up to his name, deceiver. This is a big deal for chapter 28. Keep it in mind. Is he not a deceiver? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Not really, dude. You sold it. You gave it up. You didn't want it. You could care less about it. You despise your birthright, but that's how we work it out in our minds. I wouldn't have done that if, no, no, you would have. And now look, he has taken away my blessing. You can't have one without the other, man. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? I mean, like, what were you going to give Jacob after all this? I mean, if you thought that was me, what were you going to give Jacob? At least give me what you're going to give Jacob, is his idea. Then Isaac answered and said, Esau, I said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master. You're going to serve him all the days of your life. I've made him number one. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I do for you now, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now, fast forward years and years and years and years until Esau becomes the people of the Edomites. Until there's one Edomite family left. Does anybody know the last Edomite family? I didn't, so this is a trick question. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows this stuff. King Herod is the last Edomite, last known Edomite family, the one who said, wipe out all the kids, all the babies to wipe out the Messiah. That is the last Edomite trying to break that yoke. Amazing. King Herod, the one who slaughtered all the infants in Bethlehem. He's the last one. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 17, actually it's 15 through 17, the book of Hebrews is a great commentary on this to understand what's happened here. He says this, the writer of Hebrews talking to the Hebrews tells them, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. All this crying and moaning and stuff is not repentance. When I... When we see that maybe in ourselves or in other people, I don't, I, want, I don't know if you've ever read into this, there's a lot of weeping and mourning and crying and all that and saying, oh, you know, and it's more about getting caught than it is about actual repentance from sin. Repentance shows a turning. Crying doesn't mean anything. Cry all you want. I'm, I'm, okay, here's a tissue. And I'm the, I'm the worst counselor when it comes to this stuff, to be honest with you. Oh, I wish I hadn't done this to my wife and I'm a poor... What are you going to do tomorrow? I'm still crying about last yesterday. I don't care. What are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to love her. Great. And don't tell me, show me. Now get out of here and go do what you're supposed to do as a man and be a husband. Counseling over. And tomorrow, if he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, there's repentance there. If tomorrow he's going after and chasing skirts again, there was no repentance. That was just all a big show. 
Don't show me the show. I don't care about the show. I mean, maybe your wife wants to see it. Maybe it helps. But we're looking for actions afterwards. Let's see a change of heart. Let's see a difference. So Esau, he's moaning and crying and all that. He's not doing anything about having the birthright. Well, I'm sorry. I tell you what, I'm going to be a better son now. I'm going to be a better, I'm going to serve my little brother. I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to, none of that's happening. He's just upset. We don't want to be that. Don't be a perverse person or a profane person or a fornicator. He calls it a fornicator who sold his birthright for a morsel of food. Sad. It meant nothing to him. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So he's, you know, he's not repentant. He's just bitter. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban and Haran, and stay with him. A few days, remember I told him we were going to get back to that Laban guy who's who's like, hey, nice nose ring, Rebecca, where'd you get that? Oh, this servant guy fed his, or watered his 10 camels and he gave me this ring. Well, bring him in here. You know, he's got some money. Laban's Laban. He's always Laban. So he's telling Jacob, go back to him. Or Rebecca's telling Jacob, go back to my brother and go live with him for a while until your brother cools off, it says. After his anger turns away from you, just for a few days, she says. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like those who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So I don't want any more Hittite women in my life. Esau's married enough of them. He's got two, right? So she tries to tell her, Isaac, let's, let, let's send him off here. So chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, uh, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. Take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you. He's doubling down on the blessing here. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, um, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Now that's what he's supposed to do to begin with, knowing full well it was Jacob doing this. Now he knows he was in rebellion. God worked it out. He actually gives him the blessing like he was supposed to. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padanaram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob, and Esau. Okay, got it. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram to take himself a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Badanaram. Also Esau saw that the daughters of the Canaanite or of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. That's like the first he's realizing this. You mean these Hittite wives? You guys don't, you guys don't like my wives? No. They're crazy, you know. Oh, I thought you, you guys are always so nice to them when they come over. You know, you, it's one of those moments. So Esau went to Ishmael. That's the... That's the older brother, or the, it'd be his uncle, 
right? Goes to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, and sister to Nebajoth to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. So you just need to get a third wife. That's going to smooth things over. No, it's not. Now, back to Jacob. Jacob's running for his life. Brother wants to kill him. Family's gone. Mom, in the middle of trying to bless the one that she loves the most, has lost her son, and she will never see him again, by the way. He's going to spend 20 years with Laban. So she's lost her son. So this whole thing that she had cooked up, it's going to be great. He's going to be in charge of all the tents and all the livestock. He's gone. She'll never see him again. She's going to die without him. So Jacob's on his way. This is a lonely walk. Went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put, uh, put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. So you imagine what he's thinking about. He's there up by himself. He's got a, a rock for a pillow. He's thinking about all the things. You know how it is. You know how you'd run through these scenarios in your mind. I can't believe I did that. Put the goat skin on it. I mean... Now, I'm, I mean, it's just like a dream. Like the whole thing was a whirlwind. And I'm, I'm off running. I'm not in that tense anymore. I'm off running for my life in the middle of nowhere. Probably going to eat, get eaten by some wild goats or something out here. You know, he's just thinking and he's, he's in that place. Maybe he even prayed. You know, oh God. Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. And its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Same promise that was given to Abraham. Same promise given to Isaac. Same one given to Eve, in fact. Same promise. It's just continuing. You, you're, the seed... Singular they're talking about is Jesus to Eve, Jesus to Abraham, Jesus to Isaac. It's all about Jesus. We're all getting to that one who's going to bless the entire world. We're following that train. We're following that line. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this place or to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. In other words, I thought I was alone. I thought I was without God. I didn't think he was with me. God's back with Isaac and Rebecca and the gang, and I'm off by myself, out from under that. He's only known that. He says, God's in this place. God's not in the place, Jacob. God's with you. So he's trying to tell him. That's something we need to hold on to tonight. God's not in this place. I mean, he is, but he's, he's only here because we're here. If we're not here, he's not here. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. That's something we need to get a hold of. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That's how excited he was about this. I mean, this is a big deal. So he gets excited and he's going to set this rock up and everything. And Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he put his head on, set it up as a pillar. I mean, how big could this pillar be? I don't know how big the rock is, but it's not very big. He pulled it over and used it as a pillow. He wasn't thinking it was going to be a monument tomorrow. So he sets up this little rock and he poured oil on top of it. He's having a little ceremony all by himself. You know, this is so important to see. 
Jacob is having his own relationship with God right now. It's his own moment. It's his own little altar. It's his own little rock. He's had his own time with God. Every single person on the face of the earth has to have this. I cannot go off of my mom and dad's faith, no matter how great they were. I can't go off of my brother's faith or my sister's faith or anybody else. I have to have this moment where God spoke to me and I set up my little rock and I pour my oil on it and I, and I give myself to him and I believe him and what he showed me and what he shared with me. His promises that are for me. So he takes this little rock, he sets it up, he pours the oil, he, call, he, he names it Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Great improvement over Luz, you know, to Bethel. Then Jacob made a vow saying, now this is Jacob. This is Jacob. Has anybody ever made it? When you first encounter God, when you first got saved, what were your prayers like? Were they smooth? Were they eloquent? Did you want everybody to hear them? Or were you a fumbling, bumbling idiot just trying to get your a point across to God? Look what he does. Jacob, the original used car salesman, comes up and says, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. So he's putting on his terms. So that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Jacob, he's going to be your God anyway regardless of your terms. You can't really choose him, but okay. And this stone, which I have set up or set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth to you. Good for you, Jacob. I'm going to say that. You know what? At the end of it all, he's got his rock. He's got his oil. He's had his moment. He's promising God his life, provided God still does what he's supposed to do for him, you know. And I'm going to give you a tenth back. It's a big deal to Jacob. I'm going to give money back to God. Okay. What if I don't give you food? Are you still going to give me a tenth? Well, no, then the deal's off, I guess. Let me close with this. It's in John, the first chapter of John. And it goes to this story specifically here. If you want to turn there, Gospel of John chapter 1 starts mm, 50s where it gets interesting, but we won't, we'll start a little bit further. But let's start in 43. Jesus has come. John the Baptist has figured out who he is um, and is telling everybody to follow him. Then the following day, starting in verse 43 of chapter 1 of John, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael. And that's where our focus is, is on Nathanael. And he said to him, we have found him who is, whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We've, we've got the Messiah, Nathanael. Nathanael's been looking for the Messiah. Nathanael's been studying. He's been searching scripture. He's been praying. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, Nazareth? Does this guy have an accent? You know, is he a hick from Nazareth? So he's like, yeah, right. He doesn't buy it. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. Which, by the way, is all we can do as disciples of the Lord. Is we just bring people. I've found salvation. My life's never been the same. Really, dude? Come and see. And you take him to the Lord. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. 
That means nothing to you, maybe. Until you understand that Jacob, in this story, whose name is Deceiver, gets changed to Israel, which means governed by God. And so let's rephrase this as he's using the name of Jacob. Behold, here's an Israelite, a person who's governed by God, and he, in whom is no Jacob. Okay, big deal. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? How do you know that I don't have any deceit in me? How do you know I'm not like a Jacob? Now, he's just had a Bible study under a fig tree earlier that day, which we're going to discover from the rest of this. And he's been studying the very passage we read tonight out of Genesis about this ladder going up and down on this Jacob, thinking about the deceiver, thinking about how he gets his name changed to Israel. Jesus knows all this, sees him coming and said, behold, here's a person who's governed by God and whom is no Jacob. How do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. The fig tree is the place of study. It's the place where you go to be alone, to study. This floors Nathaniel. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, a lot of people, oh, you're reading into that. No, you don't respond like that unless you understand exactly what I just shared with you. Nathaniel was under the tree studying like he always does, praying for the Messiah, wondering how he's going to come, wondering what this ladder means and Jacob and all these things. How's this all happening? And Jesus says, you know what? I need to prove it to this guy that I know him. I saw you. I was watching you study. You were clear over here. Nobody saw me studying over there. You're him. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of God. Not just that ladder you were studying. That ladder is about me. I am the ladder. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by this ladder, and I am it. And you're going to see things happening through me here on earth. It's a beautiful moment for Nathaniel. Nathaniel needs that moment. This is Nathaniel's moment. God, I want to meet you like Jacob met you. I want to be laying there and have my own encounter with you. I want to see this and wish granted. This is one of those moments where I know you're real. I've studied. I've been waiting for the Messiah my whole life. But this was one of the most real moments, Nathaniel. You've got to be the son of God. Because nobody knows what I was thinking. Nobody knows what I was studying. Nobody knows what I was, Nobody. Only God knew. And he knew it. It's a beautiful picture. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for all these folks. Um, we use them for humor, or I do anyway, for humor sometimes. I only laugh because I can see myself in every single one of these folks. I can see myself like Jacob, trying to finagle and maneuver and get the best angle on the situation. I can see myself like Isaac, not paying attention to spiritual things, paying attention to physical things and being ruled by my flesh and not by you. I can see myself like Rebecca. I can see myself like these guys. And it's funny. It's humorous. It's got to be. I mean, to you especially. And you work all these things together. You still accomplish everything you want to accomplish. It so speaks to our salvation in your son. There was absolutely, and these people all prove it, no way for us to save ourselves. Our default is deception. Our default is to be tricky, to be fleshy. But when you step in, when you do a work, you, 
you make these things take place. You cause things to happen. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, knowing that there was no way for us to make it. You put the ladder down from heaven. We didn't build the ladder up to you. So we're so thankful for your son Jesus tonight. And we want to stay there. We want to be in that place like Nathaniel in awe. We want to be in that place of Jacob where we have our own little rock and our own little altar there. We want to worship you personally. And I pray that you help us to develop that more and more, to spend more time just crying out to you at night, crying out to you in the daytime, just praying under our breath, keeping it to ourselves, just between you and us, and watching you work and watching you step in. And whether anybody ever believes us or sees those moments that we see, where you step in and make yourself real to us, God, we don't need them to believe or to know. We need it. We need those times. So I pray that as we pray tonight, as we fall asleep tonight in our beds and we're thinking about you like Jacob was and we're crying out to you about certain situations, I pray that somehow or another this week you'd show up and say, I saw you there praying. I heard you. We need those times with you, God. So I bless these folks as they go tonight. And I pray that you keep your word planted in their hearts, that it would grow and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.